Welcome and thank you for listening to this podcast about dream jobs. Before we dive into this episode, will you take a moment and support this dream of mine? If you like the podcast, please rate it on the platform you listen on and share it with one person. If you haven't liked the episodes, email me at dreamjob at kristenmcdonald.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. Also, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter at kristenmcdonald.com. Welcome to Wake Up From Your Dream Job podcast. I'm your host, Kristen McDonald. I took a 13-year tangent in my career, thinking that if I followed others' expectations of me and my job, I would be happy. Instead, I found joy and peace when I focused on the life I wanted and found a job that was an expression of my dreams, not a fulfillment of those dreams. Now it's your turn to dream bigger than just your job. I'll interview coaches, professionals, and people who have been where you are to give you tangible challenges to find fulfillment in and beyond your job. Hello. I want to say good morning because that's when I imagine you're listening to this, but I know that may not be true. Today's episode is the first of another two-parter with my friend, coach, and former coworker, Rebecca Hawkins. She is actually the reason I became a Gallup strength coach because she was getting certified. I heard about it and said, that sounds cool. And so I did too. We share many similar ideas and it is my joy to step back and let her share her ideas and passion with you about dream jobs and dream workplaces. So this first half is focused on her story and the new way we should start thinking about work. Ideally, this is a great episode for leaders and small business owners or business owners of any size. Rebecca is an avid researcher and connector with nearly three decades of small business, nonprofit, and Fortune 100 experience combined with a master's in organizational leadership. She has certifications as a Gallup Strengths Coach, Project Manager, and Trauma-Sensitive Yoga Instructor. And even more importantly, she's a messy, complicated human, just like all of us. As the founder and CEO of Regenerative Workplaces, Rebecca offers her expertise in organizational health and well-being strategy, along with her curiosity and her calm, authentic, people-oriented presence to craft custom solutions that help companies create more human-friendly workplaces. Her passion is to break the corporate hamster wheel and instead build workplace havens because when employees thrive, businesses thrive, and the world thrives. Rebecca, I'm so excited to actually have you on a podcast. I talk to you regularly, so this is <laughs> this is kind of funny because I'm like, okay, now we're just shifting our conversation and going to make sure we're talking about the podcast. So welcome. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I would love to hear your story um, of where you've been with work and where it's gotten you to where you are now. We'll jump in there. Sure. <laughs> you know, there is a meme on Facebook once that I saw that I, I felt like I resonated with deeply. And it said, my life can be summed up in one sentence. It didn't turn out as it was supposed to. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> um, and I remember seeing that podcast several that sorry, that um that meme several years ago and really resonating with the fact that I don't know that I've pl planned out my life at all because <laughs> it's just happened to me. 
And I haven't had a career journey or a career path. I've really fallen into different jobs. And yet now looking back, you can see how everything that I've done has created my passion, my interest and the place that I'm at right now. So I started um, after college, just working in a, in an internship in a church in a youth ministry program. And I picked that really because at the time I wanted to move to Florida to be closer to my boyfriend. <laughs> so I didn't really even have a good reason, except um, I wanted to be moved to Florida. And from there, I, I moved into um, tutoring, reading and writing. I was an English major in college. I moved into starting up small businesses after that boyfriend and I did end up getting married. We, I helped him start an airline in Alaska, in the rural villages of Alaska. I moved into commercial airline customer service, moved into telecommunications customer service. I helped my second husband start a computer networking business and worked for several different nonprofits and was on several different nonprofit boards during that time. And then I ended up coming to Colorado and started working, kind of started over again in the middle of a major life crisis. And at 40 years old, going through another divorce and a bankruptcy really felt like um, I was starting my life over again. And I used to say that I won the lottery when I got this great job with a company that invested a lot in its employees. And I started back in customer service. But from there, I was able to get my master's degree in organizational leadership through that company mm -hmm. that paid for my education and developed this passion for people. And I look back at all the different places that I worked and I learned about sales. I learned about customer service. I learned about small business startup and how to hire and train new employees for small businesses. I worked on nonprofits and learned about fundraising and speaking at events and writing for newsletters. And I did a lot of just one-on-one -on -one mentoring and discipleship um, in different church activities. And as I grew in this corporate job that I started 13 years ago, I really saw this opportunity to continue to create environments where people could thrive. And I promoted to leadership pretty quickly. And when I had my very first team, one of my employees asked me like day one, all right, so what kind of manager are you? Mm. And it was a great question because I'd actually, besides running small businesses, never really been a manager before. I never thought of myself as a manager before. And so I just answered the best I could to say, well, knowing from my background, I'm some kind of combination of mom because I adopted two kids along the way as well and a mentor, which is a lot of what I had done in different roles. And I didn't really know what that meant, but over time, I decided what it meant to be a leader for me was just to create an environment where my employees loved coming to work every day. Hmm. And while I was a leader, I also at that time discovered Gallup Strengths. In fact, it's a funny story. My my um, current husband and I, on our very first date, he gave me the book Strength Finders 2.0 oh, as wow. a gift <laughs> because his company had Strength Finders as a cultural norm. They all had strength coaches embedded in the workplace and they had their top five talents on their desks. And it was a language he used to get to know people at work and he wanted to get mm. to know me. So he wanted us to speak the same language. Hmm. And through Gallup Strengths, I discovered another key to really unlock the secret of what makes people thrive. 
And so I would buy that book for my team as a leader and have them take the assessment. And I noticed in the call center environment, which is where I was a leader, most leaders coach their employees towards their performance and their coaching sessions, if you want to call it that, in the call, call center were centered on listening to one of their calls and picking it apart and finding out what was wrong with it and telling them where they needed to improve. Sure. And I had experienced that when I was in the call center as an employee, and it was pretty demoralizing and not very inspiring for me. And I noticed it was the same for a lot of other employees. And so when I was a leader, I decided I was going to do coaching differently. And we were just going to talk about their strengths and how to bring those to their conversations with the customers. And also how those strengths may or may not feed into what they want to do with their lives and their career. Maybe it's not in the call center. And how can we find career paths and opportunities to really thrive in their areas of strength and talent? So needless to say, I had a lovely career for four years as a manager and was recognized for kind of a different approach to leadership by my team and became passionate about creating that experience across this large Fortune 100 organization. So from there, I began to look for opportunities to expand my impact, and I moved up into executive internal communications. I moved up into corporate sales and service strategy for the call center, and ultimately landed in HR in the employee, in the organizational effectiveness space as a culture consultant, which is a unique role that I love mm-hmm. dearly. And so, again, very circuitous, not straight career path whatsoever, (laughs) but always fostering this love of creating environments where employees could thrive and people could thrive and really step into their true self. And then I find it, the, um, the universe made a decision for me that I'm so grateful and my role at that company was eliminated earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the process now of expanding my impact even further to help other companies step into this place that are truly focused on employee thriving. That's awesome. When, when during this, you even said at one point, there's no path. So Mm -hmm. when during this journey without a path, did you feel like things started to come together and you're like, oh, I do want to chart my own path for this? Or do you still feel like it's just open without a path? Yeah, it's a little bit of both because I, when I landed that HR role in the culture space, I really felt like I'd found my dream job. This is what I have always wanted to do is help organizations create cultures culture is an environment, right? It's the, what surrounds us. It's the air we breathe and the um, the mindsets that we have as a result. It's We're impacted by the things that are kind of we're immersed in. And space is where it can be very constrictive. It can be very rigid or it can be something that's freeing. So being in that opportunity to create space for employees to thrive was really where I thought I'd landed my dream job. What happened though was because I didn't run the whole company, I was still an employee myself, I came up against, or we as a team came up against obstacles from the leadership that was still really stuck in older mindsets of how companies should run. I mean, if you think about it, the way companies run businesses now is really based on principles, practices, behaviors, 
processes from either the Industrial Revolution or the middle of the 20th century Mm to the 1980s. And they haven't evolved as our world has evolved. We didn't know what we know about humans and human behavior and neuroscience back in the 18th and the 19th Mm -hmm. 20th centuries. And now that we know more about what makes humans thrive, it's really incumbent on companies to change and adapt. But this company, like many other large organizations, um, we're still stuck in the mindset of being very profit-driven, being very rigidly process-driven, being very performance-driven, and believing that pay for performance, rack and stacking employees, rating employees, those things were motivating. So I was in a culture role, but really trying to push a boulder uphill mm. to change a culture that wasn't going to change. So that's why I say the universe gave me a gift when mm-hmm. it launched me into this opportunity to help organizations that want to join the tidal wave of this transformation that's happening across corporate America. Because there are companies out there already right now that are seeking to be more employee-centric, who are understanding the power of what's being called the triple bottom line, that companies should not just be profit-driven, but recognize that profit people and the planet are all part of what they are responsible for investing in and producing and improving. So as you improve all three of those things, you elevate your company and you also elevate the world and society. And as companies jump on that bandwagon, they need thought leaders and partners to come alongside to help them shift mindsets and shift practices that companies use that no longer serve us. Yeah. So where, where does the employee fall into that larger whole, what is what is the impact for that individual that maybe doesn't, the modern employee yeah. that has different needs than 30 plus years ago? It's a great question because there's still um, a transaction taking place. Um, I believe that part of the flawed mindset is how companies always just saw humans as a resource, human resources. I'm, I'm, looking forward to the day that the HR phrase goes away because <laughs> humans are more than resources. Thank you very much. But that we saw humans as resources and the employee employer relationship was merely transactional. You do a job for me and I give you pay and benefits and security. And that's the extent of it. Well, that has really evolved, but it is still a transaction. Employee employers, companies need employees to bring their best selves, to bring their talent, to bring their ideas, to bring their passion and their energy Um, to invest in the mission of the organization. But to do that, companies have to create a space that unlocks those talents and those energies and that inspiration and that passion. So I like to talk about the three pillars of regenerative workplaces, which is the name of my new business, um, are based on what humans need. So our brains are wired to instinctively have some very basic core needs that are common to all of us. And those are safety, which is an environment that has less threat. Our brains are wired to move towards safety and away from danger for survival. And there's a lot of things that can raise us and put us into threat mode. And when we're in threat mode, we we can't access our reasoning, our higher functioning, our brain gets locked down. So we need an environment that is relatively safe. We also need an environment where there is purpose and meaning. We need, we are drawn to other, we're other oriented species. So knowing that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, making a difference, giving back. And we need connection. So we're wired for belonging, for being seen and known and valued for who we really are. 
And if companies can create spaces where they have all three of those things, that they become a magnet for humans, that people Mm -hmm, want mm -hmm. to be in that space. Now, the employee side of that equation, though, is to be brave and to stand up and, and recognize and honor your own needs and to set healthy boundaries. And then when the comp and to speak up, I think that there is this natural tendency to hide and to conform and to, to, to minimize our own, those needs that we have. But as we stand up and stand for our needs, then we also can real unlock our inner potential and show mm-hmm. up as our full best selves. So when the organization offers those spaces, then show up and invest and create that space for the people around you as well. So it becomes a two-way relationship. Sure. sure. You know, it hit me as you were mentioning those core needs of the safety purpose and meaning and the connection. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's not just the need in the workplace. That is need as us as humans. And we spend so much time at work, so much energy that why wouldn't work contribute to what we need as humans? Mm -hmm. Why does it have to, why has it been this contrast of what we need as humans versus what I, what I provide to the workplace? Yeah. You know, mm. it's part of that um, mindset that's that's dying, what I like to say, this divergent that's happening in corporate America. Because as companies were built with this model of the human resource and the transactional leadership and transactional processes, we got used to it as a as humans. That's just all we we lowered our expectations. Ever. Mm. So we created this division. There's work and then there's my life. And it's what has even driven this idea of work-life balance. And that has just shifted in, in the way that we work now. The COVID accelerated that shift, the COVID pandemic, but it's been it was shifting already as technology has improved, as the generations have shifted. Younger generations mm-hmm. are coming up with different expectations and needs, and our culture is more enlightened and aware of what humans need. So no longer is it sufficient to just say, I'm going to compartmentalize work and life. Mm-hmm. And those, and you're exactly right, Kristen. Those three core needs are human needs. And generally speaking, we don't need to get them met at work. We can get mm-hmm. connection and we can get safety and we can get purpose outside of work. And we often do and we should. The difference is when we do get them at work, then going to work becomes energizing, mm-hmm. becomes um, life-giving and fulfilling. And it breaks this, this idea. There's also a decades-old theory of the worker called Theory X and Theory Y, which is what is a lot of these companies are based on, which is the Theory X says that employees basically need to be either punished or rewarded in order to work. So they don't inherently want to work. So Mm. we have to incentivize them or we have to punish them if they don't do well. And that's what a lot of companies are based on that theory, but it's been debunked by decades of research. And theory Mm. Y says that humans inherently love to work. We are creative species. We love to build. We love to invent. We love to create. We love to contribute. We love to have meaning and do important things. And so simply allowing humans to do that is the job of the employer 
getting out of their way, um, removing barriers to doing that, not forcing them or trying to bribe them to do it. You don't need to do that. Very cool. Um, I know you mentioned strengths earlier, so I'm just going to jump in. My number two intellection wants to take this topic and just spend a lot of time thinking about that. The theory X, the theory Y, what's the shift? Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know Clifton Strengths, first of all, you should. It's amazing and powerful. Secondly, an election likes to think and possibly overthink and work through um, different ideas and thoughts and definitely loves theories. At least for me, it does. So I'm we're not going to do that here on the podcast. I will <laughs> I will save that thinking for later, but that's that is quite the shift. Yeah, and what's interesting to me is just that we've known this since the 50s, 60s, (laughs) 70s, you know. So it's 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 always fascinating to me that organizations do not do what science knows to be true Mm. when it comes to humans. And that's a big piece of what my new passion, my quote unquote dream job is, is to help enlighten organizations, leaders, employees to this truth of human behavior and then build Mm. companies around what science has already told us to be true about how humans operate to make better workplaces. I like to say when employees thrive, businesses thrive, the world thrives and it's time because we're all frankly exhausted. We are tired of the hamster wheel. It's not working for the world anymore and it's time to get off of it. So I'm challenging organizations and trying to help organizations create workplaces where humans can feel like they have a haven instead of a hamster wheel, where we're not just driven to meet a number, to to meet a metric. Um, We're not measured by our performance, but we show up every day fulfilled by what we get to do and also helping the companies thrive as a result. Hmm. I think I'm not the only one. I'm sure there are listeners out there that go, oh my gosh, yes, that's what I want. That's what I need. It's time. And I think about um, this podcast and this idea of the dream job and how we're all striving to find the dream job and your your kind of mantra around find a dream life instead, Mm -hmm. tap into who you really are. To your point, that's why I love a tool like Clifton Strengths, which is so uniquely you. It's so different from other Mm -hmm. assessments because of the the model has assesses 34 different talent themes and finds your top five. And there's more than 33 million different potential combinations of top five. So when you get your assessment, it's very uniquely you. And that's one key to unlock who you are and then to find work and meaning aligned to and behaviors within relationships and all of it aligned to those talents. Um, So finding out that for yourself is really, really powerful. Um, But when companies realize that employees and we're taught, generally speaking, to kind of hide our true selves Mm. and put on a mask and, and perform and live up to someone else's expectations, that's really where we are dying inside, right? That's Mm -hmm. when you find you're no longer happy in your job or in your life, when you're trying to be someone you're not or live up to some other, someone else's expectation or some definition of who you are supposed to be. Um, It's a powerful journey to find out who you truly are and then to be that and companies to help employees do that. That's next level. That's where we're headed. That is, 
That is next level. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know that's my that's my big thing and focus. And yeah, I mean, the, the Clifton Strengths is an amazing tool for that. Mm-hmm. It's that opportunity to to reflect and understand. Okay, who am I? How do I start paying attention to myself, my needs, what I want in a healthy way, um, and to seek after a life that facilitates that rather than these expectations. And I can't imagine how that would shift if the company that I'm working for is on board and helping that. Yeah, exactly. And my target audience for this work right now are those leaders that are out there, maybe even listening to this podcast, who already sort of in their gut instinctively know and want to create that kind of workplace for their employees. And they just haven't ever been shown how, because again, the the typical corporate model, what you learn in your MBA, what you learn at Harvard Business School, you know, has been traditionally this, this approach to leadership that has not is not going to serve the future generations and the yeah. current world in which we live. And so I'd like to say, you know, no leader wakes up every day and says, hmm, how can I create a really toxic environment at work today where my employees <laughs> shut down, burn out, and don't trust me? Like, what I can I do? not. Right? No, no Although leader there, does that. there may be some people that go, I'm pretty sure my boss does that. Right. Well, that's the irony because no, if no leader's doing that, but if you survey employees, the vast majority have experienced that at work at one point in their career. And even right now, Gallup just did a study that said only 25% of surveyed employees strongly agree that their organization cares about them as people. Mm. I mean, that's a huge, that's a tiny number. Mm. It's a sad number, but I think leaders do care. They're just also experiencing the same pressures, the same burnout. And again, they don't have the right tools and they don't maybe aren't empowered because they haven't heard all the data that's been already available about how to create a different kind of workplace. Yeah. How are you feeling right now? This conversation is a big shift in the way that most people and companies think about work. And there's a lot to unpack here. If you're an employee, what's the impact of being seen as a human at work? Whether you've been able to experience that or realize that's what you long for. Leaders, what are your thoughts about meeting the needs of safety, purpose, and connection for your employees at your company? Since we didn't get a challenge directly from Rebecca in this half of the conversation, I was honestly kind of tempted to skip it. There's enough here to think about, but there's a part of me that just won't allow that. So instead of me coming up with a challenge this week, I want to give you some time to think back on one of the challenges from one of the previous episodes. Which of these challenges do you need to revisit this week? Now, if this is your first episode you're checking out, um, we normally end with a challenge from our guest, but since this was the first part, we didn't get that from Rebecca yet. I challenge you to listen to another episode from this podcast and accept the challenge that that guest gives that week. To learn more about Rebecca and her amazing work, you can go to regenerativeworkplaces.com or email her at rebecca.hawkins at regenerativeworkplaces.com. 
For the latest info about this podcast, challenge accountability, and more, don't forget to sign up for the podcast newsletter at wakeupfromyourdreamjob.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for a free 30-minute exploration call with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, and how the challenge this week, as you reflect on a prior week's challenge, is going. You can email me at dreamjob at kristenmcdonald.com. And of course, I appreciate if you subscribe to this podcast. Wake up and dream. 